0: welcome aboard the battleship Retention. i am aaron newworth what <laughs> that's not
1: tyler <laughs> that's a new voice uh, i'm david backs tyler is on assignment as you can tell from the intro being a different person uh but aaron thank you for i guess filling uh, uh filling in for for tyler at this the, in this part of the episode we'll let the listeners decide who they want to hear next time on this podcast. i just yeah. say that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Listeners already know that, uh, one of our, well, one of my guests, I guess today, uh, is Aaron Newworth from the out now podcast. And why so blue.com and we live entertainment and being verified on Twitter and all of those things that we talked about uh, when he was on the show, just <laughs> three uh, the
0: important two or two weeks oh, you're ago. Verified. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, the day that we recorded with Aaron, it was, it was like two or three weeks ago. He had yeah. like just gotten verified. So. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Uh, uh, we talked about
0: <laughs> it. Uh, I, did, I did something right, I guess.
1: <laughs> and listeners might also recognize the voice of my other guest, uh, my other guest. I hate saying, it's weird to say my guest. Usually it's our guest. Guest, but tyler's not here so you guys are my guests
0: we're in your house, house now david
1: yeah yeah um well you're in the little comic-con house uh, people can't see your zoom background but uh no my other guest is la noir auteur himself terrence johnson hello welcome back to the show yeah thanks for having me back it's been a minute i
2: guess yeah aaron, i guess i guess you yeah. love aaron more but it's okay
1: <laughs> well i guess i mean you guys have both been on Twice in 2021, right? Now? It, um, this is the yeah. second? Yeah. Yeah. Could, but, uh, Terrence, it was back in January, I think, that you were on when we
0: talked about Chadwick Bozeman. No, this would be my third uh, time because that... we, we did... Sorry, go on. I don't want to... Wait, go. what else did we do? That was January, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> we talked anthology <laughs> films. That was this year? That was... Yeah, I know time is a flat <laughs> circle, but this yes, that was this year. No, that does, like, I, like... I, I, yeah, I know. Because, I know this because I was watching so many during quarantine, like so many anthology films to prepare. But I specifically watched Clyde on after we did it, the the Japanese anthology film, like a, like a day after, because I finally was able to watch it. And because I, I put that on my list of favorite, like first time films I've seen so far this year. Oh, so okay. I, so I okay. specifically okay. know that we did anthology films earlier this year. But, <laughs> but I, I, that's I mean, a I, smart.
2: I... Go ahead. Smart list to keep. I yeah. should I should think about first time watches. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah, I
1: do. I do one of those
2: maybe next year. (laughs)
1: Um, but yeah, I I know everyone feels the same way, but I, uh, for the most part, but I feel like anything that happened from March, 2020 to like this week is all (laughs) just like in a blender time, like chronologically, it doesn't (laughs) like, uh, it's weird how recent early 2020 seems to me be, but also how it also seems like 200 years ago at the same time.
0: Yeah. But yeah i completely understand how that feels there are i know how to divide certain aspects of my life some like yeah i can stagger around and be like yeah i did that like a while ago others is like that happened like <laughs> six months ago probably like last week and then vice versa for some other stuff it's just wild
1: yeah i could for, i can't remember why it came up but just yesterday i couldn't remember whether whether it was during covid when eddie van halen died i was like no surely that was in the regular world but no he died I guess because he didn't die of COVID, I was like in my head, like, uh, no, he must have died before uh, this all happened. Anyway, these are the things that I think about. When did when did we lose Eddie Van Halen?
0: (laughs) Um, I'm glad you have Terrence and I on, though. I like I like to think that, you know how you do like your your 52 women films that you see every year. Like, okay. I like to think of like, 52 people of color you have in the podcast. I feel like that's. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I would. Mean, I, I unfortunately I don't think we'd be hitting that mark. Uh, um, hashtag goal. Yeah. Not.
2: Not. 50, not 52. Not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not 52 yeah. Definitely. I mean, hashtags BP so white is the hashtag. Unfortunately, uh, most most weeks. <laughs> well, I guess it is. But- I
0: guess it is a weekly show as opposed to a daily thing for movies. So, like, I can yeah. understand end this yeah. has be making excuses for you but uh, you don't have you don't have to make excuses <laughs> for me um but uh
1: uh well i guess uh, that uh, i guess that brings us to our topic but first i want to tell you the listeners about tweaked audio.com tweaked audio is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they look great they sound great uh, i'm using them right now tyler and i both use them every day of our lives today i was listening to in anticipation for well i'm going to use the word again maybe my most anticipated album of the year which is coming out tomorrow by the time you're hearing this it's already out uh the fourth album by lingua e called sinner get ready uh i was listening to the singles off of off of that and listening to her previous album caligula from 2019 um i'm so excited for this new lingua e album and um it sounded great the, the, what I've heard so far sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Those earbuds are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. It's so wild that I was going to wear my Lingwat and Yozo t-shirt before <laughs> getting on this podcast and I just decided <laughs> to go in a different <laughs> direction. Um, well,
1: uh, Aaron, Terrence, let's get into it, shall we? Let's
0: mm-hmm. do this.
1: We're here to talk about this year's Comic-Con at Home, the second comic-con at home do you remember okay this is not going to be the like COVID, <laughs> the like covid pandemic memories <laughs> podcast but like when things first started shutting down we didn't know how long mm-hmm. it was going to be and so like in march of 2020 i was still like well maybe things like maybe we'll still have comic-con like
0: oh yeah when you still had some faith in humanity yeah. you're like sure oh, yeah we'll, we'll follow the ordinance and we'll do everything like, yeah. we
2: can in a month in a month things will be fine
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a temporary setback. That's all. <laughs> uh, yeah, and
1: now here we are, second Comic Con in a row um, not happening in San Diego. I felt myself just like really missing it um, both years. But um, uh, I-, I don't know. Did you guys? Um, did you guys? Was your uh, longing for Comic Con more? more pronounced that did has absence made the heart grow fonder or has two years away dulled your, uh, your comic-con feelings.
0: I assume in post-production, the Simon and Garfunkel starts playing in the background as we're doing this part. <laughs> uh, Terrence, why don't you go first? Um,
2: I, I mean, I, I do miss it. I, I definitely was thinking about it this year, especially cause I took off work. I was going to take off work any, anyway, regardless, but it's like, I, 2019. It was so nice to like go down there, mm-hmm. experience Comic Con, come back on the Monday, go see Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Even though that movie was bad, uh, what? It, it, it's bad.
1: No, it's and, my favorite. It's my favorite Tarantino. Great book. I haven't read the book. I've read the book.
2: No. <laughs> Ooh. Um, yeah. It. It was an experience. But yeah, I do. I do miss being there because it's like. You know, I, I had been here, I've heard about Comic-Con like most of my life. And then I finally started getting to go sort of in around 2013, I think was my first one, 2012, mm-hmm. 2013. And so it was like, oh, like, these are my people. And so I feel like I'm not seeing my people. Um, and so last year I was going to do a whole bunch of Comic-Con at home stuff. And then, you know, I was like, mm, but I'm tired <laughs> and, we're st- <laughs> and we're still in a pandemic. And now that I'm used to pandemic, I was like, hey, I can do Comic-Con at home. But I do miss I do miss the atmosphere of being there. I will say that I think that this at home format, I like some things about the at-home format that I'm hoping that n- next year, when they're probably more than likely going to go back to a full convention that they'll keep. Um, but yeah, yeah I do I do miss the atmosphere. I miss being with my people.
0: Yeah. Aaron, any yeah. thoughts to you, had? Given how things are going, I'm curious if the Comic-Con thanks- at Thanksgiving is going to happen. I mean, they had that whole two days planned in November. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I was planning to go to. So things aren't uh, happen. to timestamp this podcast. Things aren't getting much better right now. So I'm not sure, <laughs> no, if yeah. a, you know, a room full of people is going to be even possible in November at this point. Isn't that depressing? But as far as my Comic-Con uh withdrawal whatever you want to call it goes Uh, like i first went to comic-con in 2008 and i think i missed the year after but then after that it was like a steady stream all the way up to 2017 so i've not actually been to comic-con san diego in a few years now Uh, but in terms of missing it like yeah it's a fun experience i stopped doing it because i just it's a mix of like different responsibilities and time and how much I'm getting out of it at this point. But like, in terms of like the the experience of going, yeah, it's super, it it can be super fun. Like Mm -hmm. the, the thing and I talked to you about this before, the thing that I always like about comic-con is whenever I'm for me, anyway, anyway, I can't speak for everybody, but like when I'm going to comic-con and I'm like waiting for something the thing that I'm waiting for generally means that I'm standing with a bunch of people that are also waiting for that same thing. So the atmosphere to me is generally pretty positive. Yes. People can get antsy or whatnot for waiting in lines or what have you, but even before the stuff starts, ideally you're surrounded by a bunch of people that are Cool with the stuff that you're cool with, and that's how I. I mean, I met mm-hmm. David, I met you at and Tyler at Comic Con. Uh, yeah, like, that was at a Slash Film Meetup, right? Yeah, the Slash Film Meetup, and then eventually the BP Meetups and what have you. Yeah, like, that's how I he became associated with you. Guys. But
1: I was actually trying to remember, like, when did I first meet? It was at a uh, Slash meet Film you. Meetup. It was at sure. a Slash Film Meetup? But then I think a couple months later, we were both in line for the press screening of Life of Pi together, and I was like, I know you from Comic Con, right? And I, so like, I couldn't remember yeah. which one, which one it was. Uh, first, yeah, um, merged that way together. Did we meet at a, met,
2: at a convention?
1: Yeah, I met uh, uh you had WonderCon, yeah. Um, that's not bad, uh, because I think I was Aaron was a WonderCon, I was a WonderCon. Was it the creature? No, no, it was this, this was in Anaheim. It was the uh, the WGN show, was it called Salem? Salem yes. the witch show. Oh, yeah, because so, like, I, I was tweeting, exact... <laughs> I was tweeting, and Aaron was tweeting, and Aaron was like, hey. I'm in the same room as you. Come yeah. sit with yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and that's how I met you. Yeah, at WonderCon.
2: Yeah. See, I, I do. I miss the people.
0: I miss. Yeah. The people. yeah. But yeah, in, in terms of like the you know how this has gone by comparison from my standpoint, like I I sure will get into this, but I agree with Terence. There's pros and cons to having a comic con at home. Oh. Um. But com- you know, compared to being live in a room where the, you know the the electricity's in the air that's you know you can't really replicate that you can't replicate that through youtube no matter how hard they want to try
1: but i found that and we'll get into our favorite panels um that we watched uh this year in in just a minute but i found that um for the type of panels that i increasingly like like as you know i've been going as long as we're saying how long i've been going i've gone to every comic con since 2006 that was my first uh first year um and over that time i've I haven't been in Hall H maybe since 2014, maybe. Like, I don't really do that sort of stuff anymore. I tend to gravitate more towards, like, smaller panels that are either focused on a particular nerdy thing or something that's maybe more academic. And I find that, like, um, when I'm actually at a panel to, like, hopefully, like, learn something, you know... <laughs> uh i didn't mind the lack of other people because it was like great no one's interrupting <laughs> like there's not going to be a dumb idiot q a at the end where someone tries to like uh has more a comment than a question that type of thing you know there's not going to be any of that uh i uh, there are yeah for me some of the some of the benefits are uh, uh very very large to, well, that's to the, not that's being the around thing. people.
0: that's the thing for sure like going to comic-con when i was going especially After the initial years, when I was actually like writing for a website, that meant like doing work. Now, granted, being in Hall H and seeing a bunch of like, you know, stuff you see at Hall H, it's not like that's not fun, also, but it also is, you know, going there to do a certain kind of job and writing about certain kinds of things. And it means you have to skip other things, like you're saying, David, as far as specific stuff or things that are more academic. And there's a lot of cool panels. So the benefit I do have when it comes to Comic Con at home is that's pretty much all they have (laughs) like there's some you know neat stuff but there's a lot there's a heavy emphasis on fairly geeky properties or specific topics that are Mm -hmm. entirely engaging and have really good speakers and what have you that's really cool i'm really happy that that's so much at the forefront now because it's not like Warner brothers needs to put in you know, six hours of programming on YouTube, and they just like launch a few trailers and be yeah. like, oh, i call it a day." Like, so like the fact well, that the emphasis there is instead on, "Well, look at all these other geeks and what they're doing." Like, that's that's great. Like, I feel like there's a good positive
1: there. Um, there's a blessing and a curse to the fact. That, and then we uh, talked about this on this podcast when we when we talked about the TCM at home film film festival. There's a blessing and a curse to there not being any conflicts. Like you, you never have to choose uh-huh. between yeah. two things. But on the other side of that is like there are just hundreds and hundreds of hours of things that you could watch. Like I was watching, I was watching panels up until like a couple of days ago, because um, they're all still like on the Comic Con YouTube or whatever. So, um, uh, should we? Do we have any other uh, specific or other or general thoughts before we get into specifics?
2: I mean, I do think it's one thing.
1: I'll I'll
2: say is like. Comic-Con, the event, is like 100,000 people, on people descend on the city. 130,000 people descend on a city for a week or less than that. But when you really think about how many people actually get to see a panel, like I, know, I remember last year, there was all of this reporting about, oh, this panel. This panel was only watched fifteen thousand times and i'm like do you know that that is like 10 times the capacity (laughs) of the room that that panel would have been in like this is great that people get to see and so that's what i hope you know they carry i think i want i want them to do like a blend like i know being there is is great but i wish they would like put the panels online like the day after or like the week after so that everybody can experience it because like the cool thing about comic-con is being in the room making those executive decisions about the panels you want to go to. Yeah. But at the same time, like people having the access to the information, I think is really, you know, important.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great point. But you really like 130,000 people. The largest room at uh the San Diego Convention Center, Hall H, seats like what seven thousand seventy five hundred? So like six.
2: It, I think it's lower uh, than that. Yeah. Really? Or maybe they, uh, they've been expanding it, so maybe it. Yeah. yeah. It's not a lot.
1: <laughs> but yeah, if you think, I mean, like, there's. Uh, if you're going to get into Hall H, there's a good chance you're not getting into Hall H. You have to, I mean, it used to, I mean, I I sound like a broken record. It used to be a lot easier to get in because not everyone was going for that thing. Now it seems like half the people at the convention are trying to get into Hall H, which the is kind of why I stopped doing it.
0: The thing I like to say about it's not even, it's not trying to be a brag. It just, it's so like funny to me is that 2008 we went into Comic Con. It's the year when Twilight started. Um, my friend and I were at Comic Con, we were in Hall H. We only had a one day pass. So we went to Hall H and we saw like the panel for push. So it was like the lion's gate panel. We saw up, you know, the Chris Evans comic book classic, the, the probably oh. the one he's most known for. Uh, and yes. we, <laughs> and after that was going to be the twilight panel. And my friend and I were like, you know, we have all the rest of the day to only do stuff that day. It's like, I don't, I don't care about twilight so we're gonna leave so we were the only two guys that walked out of the twilight it <laughs> was like coming on the stage people were like screaming and yelling about like all these stars that were coming on the stage we're like going out the back door and like all right let's go into the hall and see what the rest yeah. of them uh i have nothing against twilight but you know it's, it's, it's my it's, first my first thing. year
2: was when breaking dawn part two was coming out that was my first and so i actually cut the line to get into hall H, <laughs> uh oh. which you which you really can't do now um Cut the line may, might be a strong merge,
1: <laughs> merge. You want me to edit that out of the
0: podcast? No, you can keep
2: it in there. <laughs> Merged into, because you literally cannot do that now. Like, it, the amount of people, you know, tw- Twilight um, and Marvel oh, well, really sort of... and all that and everything. Yeah, yeah. sort of ushered in, like, this mega Hall Age focus. Um, although it's starting to wane, you know, as the, the bigger studios aren't necessarily taking every movie they have to to Hall H, but it's still an event. But yeah, it's, I haven't done Hall H in like three, four years.
0: The other last thing I'll mention before we get to the panels, I think those kind of make sense anyway, is something that's absence by watching things on YouTube. Uh, for one thing, I mean, if, if 15,000 people listen to our episode are like Snake Eyes and Old, I'd be happy with that. So like if people want to listen and watch things, great. That's, that's a yeah. lot of people. Um, there's so much pre I mean, it's all pre-recorded, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think there's any that are just live panels yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I'm not big on that. And I understand what they're doing by having it that way. It's all, you know, concise and any mm-hmm. technical errors are edited out. So it just plays like a, you know, streamlined thing. But that just ruins any chance for, I don't, you know, some kind of wonder <laughs> to happen in a given yeah. moment. And it's, it's unfortunate. Granted, I don't know what it would exactly happen on a, you know, a YouTube stream of some panel discussing you know like black geeks and comic books but like <laughs> that that wouldn't just you know re- remain on the recording regardless but there is something you know just knowing that it's pre-recorded it just it feels more like artificial
2: i guess is the yeah, way put it. some of the, some of the panels do play uh, stale is the wrong word but like not as not as fresh and in the moment as as you're mentioning
0: yeah unless so. you have a really great like host of the panel or yeah like the panelists are they have a certain kind of chemistry which will be reflected I think in some of the panels I have on my mind uh, there's just yeah. not there's not going to be something there that's going to be more than just you know fluff questions and you know vague answers because you can't spoil anything so it's like okay
1: yeah there's one panel maybe I'll mention later um, in a dishonorable mention category one panel I watched <sighs> in which the I mean the the subject of the panel was was great but the moderator was like over prepared to the point where like the entire 50 minutes or whatever felt completely scripted like mm. like she had a different intro for each of her like five panelists and then she talked to them one at a time and then showed a clip from their thing and there was like no crosstalk which is like kind of when you think of a panel you think of like oh we're taking a bunch of people who are have different points of view but are all experts in one subject and they're going to talk to each other. And this was not a panel in that sense. It was just a series of interviews on, like, a grid Zoom where, like, for the first (laughs) – for, like – 43 of the 50 minutes there's one woman who's just waiting to be
0: talked to <laughs> you're like imagine being like a talk show host that does this for years and that's why they quit <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. why they eat. <laughs> um so unless yeah let's uh let's um, get drunk on a daily basis like some of them do <laughs>
1: uh Aaron, i think you should you should kick us off um we're, we're, we're gonna we've each pick we've each picked three panels, but we haven't told each other. So I have like backups in case we overlap. Oh yeah. But, uh, but well, also I
2: already know Aaron is going to try and is going, me and Aaron are going to overlap on one. I okay, feel like well, one.
1: Uh, and uh, on our like little group, uh, text before we were setting this up, uh, Aaron gave us a heads up. That this is going to be a very black comic-con wrap up. <laughs> yes. So there are some panels that I watched that I'm in- intentionally leaving off because I'm assuming that one of you guys is going to talk about it. If not, then I'll, then I'll mention them
0: um but uh aaron why don't you start us off i'll start with something that's like the most comic con um it's the walking dead panel um specifically because there's technically three walking dead panels because there's three shows um so i'm going with like specifically i'm going with the fear of the walking dead panel for a specific reason but i'll hold on the three
1: shows are the walking dead fear the walking dead dead and then like walking dead babies or whatever i would i
0: The amount of imagery in my head right now is matching up the theme song of Muppet Babies and Walking Dead with like you know the socks walking into the room. (laughs) Um, It's Walking Dead colon world beyond. Yeah, but that is Walking Dead Junior, right? It's it's about teens. Yeah, it's about teens that are like like a few like in in a future years of the walking Dead, so that's like slightly ahead even though they're all supposed to connect eventually and like their fucking movie or whatever the hell um I, yeah i know it's a weird phrase. so to give some context i've i've read the walking dead since it started back in 2003 so like i've been a comic devoted fan so has it, the walking dead comic ended yet oh yeah it yes. ended a few years ago now at this okay. point. a surprise ending too kirk was just like this is the last one like it just dropped <laughs> it was crazy that that happens um but so since, since you know having read the books, it's not that I dislike at least one of the shows, but like it's out of obligation that I'm watching all these because I also co-host a Walking Dead podcast. Um, when any of these shows are on, so now with these with these Walking Dead and the other thing that I begrudgingly had to deal with with these Walking Dead panels is, of course, there's the Talking Dead, the talk show that comes on after the Walking mm-hmm. Dead shows, which is of course hosted by Chris Hardwick. Uh, last year Comic Con it is last year Wait, Com- really? last year at comic-con at home they had what's your event nicole brown she was the the host of the panels this year they decided mm-hmm. i guess we waited long enough because that's how things work and so they wow. brought back chris, chris hardwick to moderate said panels so that's three hours of watching chris hardwick like ask everybody like questions about the fucking show um wow yeah it, yeah it's 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 weird um there's there's another factor in this robert kirkman of course one of the creators obviously with Charlie Adler and so the other artists, but Robert Kirk was, you know, the writer of the walking dead keys, notably not on these panels, let alone talking dead because of the, continuing lawsuit that he's in with AMC about how to get, you know, the, the money that he and the various producers feel they are owed. So it's always entertaining to know that Robert Kirkman's at Comic-Con, but he's specifically not at the panels that are hosting AMC shows of his creation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think I might be more interested in what's going on behind the scenes <laughs> yeah, of The Walking Dead I, I basically wrapped in like four different panels, because he has his own panel um, where it's just him talking. And it's really entertaining. I like Robert Kirkman. He's, a, he's an entertaining person to listen to, and i like like what he does um uh, but so back to these these walking dead panels obviously it's like all the same stuff it's the you know you get the you know the new trailer a clip or two or whatever it's an ensemble cast and all these shows so you have hardwick asking each of them different questions and they're all like you just said david they're just like waiting in line <laughs> uh, that said there is a certain kind of energy despite the fact that the Hardwick's involved between the cast that i do enjoy i will specifically now jump to the fear of the walking dead panel because what i like about that one compared to the other two and it's not like they're not friends like the juniors one they're like there are some adults because like uh, what's her name um julia Pinoch is like on the on the um not julia what's her da- what's her name da- no what's her da- what who's um oh, what's her name sabrina in the in the remake what's her name uh, julia ormond julia ormond yeah she's on the world beyond along with some other like older actors but it's mainly kids and they're kids like they get along or what have you the walking good Prime, as I like to call it, it has original recipe. Original recipe, like that cast is like fun. They know what they're, you know, they're a family and all that. We're mm-hmm. The Walking Dead, though, and this gets to the black part of it. It's kind of the, it's the most relaxed and like kind of the blackest panel because you have Lenny James and Coleman Domingo on that show. Um, it's impressive that Coleman stuck with that show because he's broken out a lot in recent years as far as like the amount of films that he's doing.
1: Yeah, but, he doesn't need to be doing that, but yeah. good for him.
0: It, saying all this the last season of fear of the walking dead not that this matters it's kind of the best of all three shows right now like that show really had a strong pre-recent season but for this panel there's there's some and i noticed this last year too there's a certain kind of energy that they that show specifically seems to have when it comes to these panels like they mm-hmm. they they feel it like, because they're 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 older like Ruben, Ruben blades is on that show like a number of like i don't say like old but like certainly I, like a veteran i want to say it's I say Bladis, but then he says Blades. Oh well, so if I he says even, Blades, then it's Blades. Says, <laughs> so you like, know what? That's great. I like. That. I used to say Bladis because I just figured that's how it, it makes sense to be said, but then it's Blades. It's like, well, that's just a cool name, so I'm not going to. Yeah, it. good for him. But, uh, I'm very <laughs> happy to hear that's how he says it. But because that cast feels like it, not again. Not that they're old. It's just there's something like lived in about like how they seem to act. Where there's a lot. There's uh, just a. Uh, a really neat vibe I pick up from, and part of that I think is just because Lenny James and Coleman Domingo are just cool guys. Like it just something about that seems infectious mm-hmm. because the rest of the cast all seem to like be on the same track. Obviously, they're filming in Hotlanta for like three months on this fucking show, so it's like you know whatever. But like, does Coleman Domingo even watch the show? Does Coleman Domingo ever get to sing on the show? He has not. <laughs> he has not got to sing. What he, what he does do is, for one thing, he plays the like. I mean walking dead is like a weird like horde of representation because there's a lot of like black characters people of color as well as people on the the lgbtq like yeah i was gonna ask is his character gay his character is very is very his character is gay uh (laughs) uh, (laughs) and it's notable just because of like they dress him a certain way like the show has a, a heavy western influence he is one dandy looking western man on this tv show oh that's set in the apocalypse <laughs> he gets like nice clothes to wear and it's really a fun. well i guess i mean if you didn't have to you
1: don't have to pay for clothes anymore. you just
0: like just pick up what you got Still, yeah i would i would probably dress pretty well too like the you know take what whole, you can get and the whole thing with this show is like they're basically scavengers so they're you know they're looking for the good stuff and you know they find it but i mean the panel like in terms of like what I'm absorbing out of it, it's not a lot. It's just you know trailers and whatnot. But in terms of like the enjoyment factor in it, when it comes to these pre-filmed panels, that's going to give you a certain kind of thing. I'd like to think the fans are pretty much getting what they're bark you know what what they're bargained for as far as mm-hmm. what a Walking Dead panel on YouTube would have to offer. So like I, as much as the Chris Hardwick factor is a thing, I do think they for a you know a major TV series, it's a satisfying you know set of panels that they have set up. Yeah,
1: yeah that might have been a, uh, even if I liked it like the walking dead i think the chris hardwick thing might have been a turn off there's there's something like i can watch i can watch a movie with casey affleck in it because at least i don't love it but, you know, at least casey affleck is like the person he's being is not casey affleck so i can just like pretend that i'm watching a character but when i mean chris hardwick is just being chris hardwick on the uh, just you're just spending an hour looking at him or three hours yeah.
0: Like that, I, I think mean, that would be. He's a in a small box. Like they're big casts, so he's yeah. in a small box somewhere. Right? I, I don't need to look at. And to be fair, I'm mostly doing other. Like that's in the background while I'm like watching. I'm like doing other work. I'm <laughs> not just like sitting, look, watching YouTube for three hours because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Now let's continue yeah, this podcast on YouTube. Who yeah. would do that?
1: <laughs> uh, all right, Terrence.
2: Um, trying to see if I want to steal the panel that I know we're going to have in common. Or just go for about. it. Um. <laughs> So, horror
1: noir. Ah, I watched this one too. Nice. Um,
2: like many, I was familiar with the documentary. Um, actually, familiar with the, the woman who created it, the UCLA class that became the documentary that is now becoming an anthology TV show on AMC and Shudder coming out this fall. And, it's uh, a and book, so I was great. like, yes. Um, and I was kind of, I was like, Oh, like, this is, I saw it on the schedule and I was like, are they just going to talk about the documentary again? I mean, that's fine. But like, okay. And I was like, Oh no, we're talking about like a, an anthology show. Um, and that panel was great. Uh, all of the guests had a lot of, of energy. So it was a uh, Tenerife Du, Stephen Barnes, Gerald Edwards, and Victor LaValle, I think is that you name? Laval.
1: Uh, Laval. Um, and he's, he's the, actually the main reason that I wanted to watch it. Cause I'm a fan of his writing. Yeah. And so I was just, I was intrigued
2: by the concept already. I was like, what is this going to be like this TV show? And then it's like anthology adaptations of black horror writers. So the show is going to be these writers and directors adapting black writers. And I think it was just a really outside of the very cool factor of getting to see black horror done by black people, I actually think it's a really good panel for people who are interested in understanding the industry. Yes. that's, That's the key to two of my favorite panels is like industry insights, especially in like, you're talking about like, Oh, like what this one gave us, you know, being sort of firmly entrenched into the COVID world. Like this one, they talked a lot about, like using this show as a way to show the value in like black or ip because that's the stuff the stuff that's getting made right now is like adaptations of books things with built-in audiences you know we talk about how we just talked about how there were 75 walking dead tv shows on the air <laughs> you know with after shows moderated by chris hardwick um and so it was really just an interesting thing to hear how these people were tackling different stories and who they were pulling from and, and what that m- meant sort of for the horror space i am really intrigued to see what it's going to be like that trailer that amc and shadow drop i was like is this it (laughs) just the names i i kind of wanted i I wanted a smidge more visual stuff there but also hearing from these people like victor laval right yes i think so yeah um He's he's written some twisted stuff before, because um, he's a like a, he's actually written novels. Uh, he he's very good at like dark fairy tales. So
1: yeah, he also wrote a um, a comic called Destroyer um, that was really really good. Yeah, and
2: Chernold, uh escaped the clutches of Sleepy Hollow. So. <laughs> um, I know the two of them can really write. Then they talked about how the stuff that they're writing is really pushing the boundary or how like shutter was giving them. I think Sh- shutter's involvement is actually what made me intrigued by this because I'm like, okay, this is not going to be, and not that AMC is, is great. And it had, you know, it, walking dead has been on it. So, and you know, and launch that. So it's not like they're averse to pushing the boundaries a bit. but like knowing that a horror entity is involved in the making of this. It gave me like I was like, "Oh, we're about this is about to be some some stuff is going to go down on the series." So, I was very excited to hear. I,
0: I like to call Shudder the um, the best streaming service that I don't have because it has like yes. a lot of great stuff, but it's like <laughs> for one thing. I've seen I'm such a big horror guy, guys. So I've seen all these movies or, or i and I own so many movies, so it's like do I need to pay for Shudder but at the same mm-hmm. time they have new releases and, you know, press stuff is great because you can watch some of these movies on shutter, so it's it's yeah. fine. But it's like it's a great horror service for sure. Funny thing about these panels, by the way, you could you like you can show zombies getting their faces cut off or whatnot in the trailers, but don't you dare say shit or damn or something that's yeah. just gonna get bleep <laughs> the fuck out. Like <laughs> Yeah. The hypocrisy like, on YouTube. Like it's insane. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was also like there wasn't a consistent like st- different people must have been maybe the person creating the panel was like in charge of doing their own like uh um uh, standards and practices or whatever because like (laughs) sometimes it would just like mute or sometimes like on some panels there was like an audible like beep when someone would uh would would cuss
0: um yeah anything else on the horror noir panel the um what's the name of the couple that was in the horror noir panel it's tanner even and steven yeah, they they were great. Like, just yes. you you talk about the industry, like it's a great like insight as far as like how that goes, as well as just being you know a duo that has to work and the way they're describing how they do their work. It was just like, it, for one thing, he was get the, the the he was giving like really educated answers to some good questions, like and it was just like a relief to hear like an adult speak, <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> <laughs> just just have like real answers to questions that, that were like insightful and interesting like there's just a lot going on there. like i mean i was a huge fan of the horror noir doc as far as it existing though i felt this would be so much better if it was you know super long um and so like that's why i watched the panel too terrence i figured it would be like is this going to be like a sequel are we doing more because great and instead it's an anthology it's like yeah that's cool too for all the reasons that you stated so it's but, but no, hearing the, you know, hearing the people they chose to, to represent this thing, there was just a lot of really good, like insight or whatnot. Like, it's hard to like describe what that is because just go to YouTube and watch it. That's easier than me describing it back to you, but that's just, yeah. it, it was really worthwhile.
2: It, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was very cool just to hear them. So, like sometimes it is nice to just hear people who know what they're talking about, talking about products that they're working on.
1: And that's why people listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, all right. I'll 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 move on, and I'm gonna uh, go like Aaron did. I'm gonna go pure, just geeky stuff, but a different a different avenue of of pure geekiness. Uh, I really enjoyed a panel called Stan Lee, Marvel, and Rolling Stone fiftieth anniversary, because in 1971 there was a Rolling Stone cover story on what it's like to work at marvel like interviewing uh all the all the mm-hmm. people who all the people at marvel with a big like photo spread and it was written by uh it was a woman named robin green who um went on to write for rolling stone for many years this is the first thing she ever wrote for rolling stone and it was uh, a cover story and because it, but it's her way in is that she was in like 67 68 she was stan lee's assistant at at, at marvel I'm uh then yeah, so then she went on to write for Longstone for very for a long time, and then she went on to write for TV and was an executive producer of The Sopranos and wrote a ton of Sopranos episodes. Jeez. So she's had an amazing yeah. life, and so she yeah. was on the panel. Um, the other panelists were um, former Marvel editor in chief Roy Thomas uh, and some other Marvel people: Linda Fight, Gene Thomas, and Mimi Gold. Uh, and the moderator was Danny Fingeroff, who wrote a wrote a Stanley biography. Um, and they just sort of talked about like that era of 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 Marvel and, and told different stories. Um, one of the things you'll notice that, like, so, uh, they talked a lot about how both at Rolling Stone and at Marvel, there weren't a lot of women working there at the time. But you'll notice that, like, what? Half, you'll, <laughs> but like half the panelists are women. And the reason is, it's been 50 years and women live longer. Like almost it's sad to, t- to, to think about, but almost every <laughs> man, like they were going through this like staff photo, this photo that appeared in the Rolling Stone, like of all the staff, like going through like, Oh, who's that? Who's that? And like all the dudes are dead, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the, the women are the only ones who, who survived. So they, uh, I guess they get the last laugh. They get to, yeah. to tell the tale. Um, but they didn't, uh, they didn't talk shit. It was mostly just a very positive, uh, uh, reminiscing panel about working for Marvel. And uh, they talked a lot about Stan Lee's um, toupees. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was apparently because I guess he got the, uh, this is something I learned from the panel. Uh, he got implants in like the early 80s. And that was what he had like for the rest of his life. But he was bald pretty young. And he. Had, um, uh, and he would apparently he had four different toupees of different lengths so that he would it would look, he would try to make it look like his hair was growing out and then he'd like got oh my a haircut. Gosh. So like he would so like every week he'd go a little bit mm. longer and then like show up on <laughs> a, a Monday morning with his hair short again. <laughs> to that make is, it commitment. that yeah. is commitment. That uh, is commitment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of, that's the, that was the nature of, of the panel. Just a lot of mostly uh, fun memories. Some obviously sad memories. Cause like I mentioned, a lot of these people are are dead now. Um, but uh Uh, Yeah, it was, um, uh, I guess, a a banner day for Marvel to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. Uh, The comic artist Herb Trimp, who was married to one of the women on the podcast before he died, uh, a podcast on the panel before he died, um, drew uh, an Incredible Hulk for the cover of Rolling Stone. They they
0: showed that. Um, Yeah, cool panel. All right, Aaron, you're back up trying to think which one i want you know, so many panels here um <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like terrence i know you can jump to like certain ones too so it's because uh-huh. there's some geeky stuff that i like enjoyed seeing um so i'm gonna go with this one um because we were just talking about horror um the <laughs> the legacy of chucky panel uh um,
1: hey i tried mm-hmm. to watch this one It's i couldn't find it on the youtube like oh
0: I mean, it's oh. there. I don't
1: know. <laughs> it, it, Maybe it just wouldn't play for me. Either. Yeah, I, I wanted to watch this one. <laughs> I, I
0: just pulled it up just to make sure I got the right panelists here. But uh, yeah, this, this, is, this is the panel for the upcoming sci fi TV series, um, Chucky, uh, which is a continuation of the Child's Play franchise. To be clear, the Child's Play franchise is the one that began in 1988 with Child's Play, went on to two, three, Bride, Seed, Curse, and Cult. Then they did a remake. The remake is nothing to do with the actual Child's Play franchise, which was infuriating to me, both because I I know there are fans, but I was not a fan of it at all. But also the current, the Prime series is still going. Like it never yeah, stopped. It's so it was weird that there's a remake of it when there's still like an ongoing series that hasn't left. And the series creator is still very much involved. Um, so this is this TV series is a continuation from where the last movie left off. I am a big. The fan last of- movie, meaning the last, the last the, the Chucky last, the, movie, the, the last Chucky movie, in the not fr- yeah, from, from, yeah from from creator Don Mancini, um, not
1: the Aubrey Plaza starring uh, Child's Play remake, remake from of, 2019 you know. or whatever.
0: Uh huh. Um, I I'm a big fan of the Child's Play. It's a very consistent slasher franchise. Like I'm very impressed by how good it's remained. There's like like Child's Play three isn't great. Seed of Chucky isn't great. But like the last like two, it just feels like you got a big shot in the arm as far as doing some really creative things with a, you know, a possessed doll <laughs> that seems like it could be a very easy threat to take care of. And yet they found creative ways to make it work. So I wanted to see what this panel would be. I want to see the footage of this Chucky series. I want to see what a TV show involving this killer is going to be like. And the panel, yeah, you have Don Mancini and you have, of course, the voice of Chucky, Brad Dourif, his daughter, his, his daughter, Fiona Dourif, who is a character in the, in, the, in the films now, Jennifer Tilly, who's been around since Bride of Chucky. Along with the original Andy, Alex Vincent, and Christine Elise, who plays Kyle in Child's Play Two, she's involved in this series as well. So it's like it's got this; it, it has a legacy. Like it, it's held on to like original cast members. I'm curious who else they like that that's alive, both within the series and in reality, that they bring into the this, in the this show. Uh, it'll be neat to see how they kind of incorporate that, as well as how they incorporate you know the new aspect, which seems to be once again Chucky gets in the hands of a child and death starts sacking up but in terms of this panel um there's that i don't know i i think it's just like i enjoy camaraderie like i feel like that's a good part of you know getting it if you want to have a panel that's going to be for like the fans you want to have a sense of like the people seem to like getting along with each other mm-hmm. um even if they're in different rooms recorded separately and that is what i got here because it's kind of a family affair like brad duraf has been working with Don Mancini on these child's play films. He didn't, uh, Mancini only started directing, like, I think with bride, I think is when he started directing the movies, but he's been writing them. Um, but they've been, you know, friends forever. I believe Fiona Dorf was like on the set of the first child's play when she was like, you know, In before she was 10. So it's like she's been involved as well. And Jennifer Tilly's obviously, I mean, Brad and Chucky's 1998 at this point. So that's like 24 (laughs) years ago. Like, so it's, I know we're all old. Um, So it's like, you know, seeing like it's called The Legacy of Chucky, very fitting title for this panel because it's just neat to see like this crew together uh, continuing to do this specific thing that's worked out uh, for, you know, horror fans as well as, you know, giving a new chance for this thing to like, you know, carry forward in a new way. What year was the first child's play? 88, 88.
2: Yeah. Um, so this franchise has been alive longer than me.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> by, uh, by a year. Don't. All right. By a year. I mean, you got another, like another Halloween is coming, you know, in the, in the fall. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, Terrence,
1: uh, well, what's next for you?
2: Um, I'm gonna go with Geek Ed Rewind, the true American horror of Lovecraft Country. Ah. Um, I
1: love so, how horror centric this uh podcast is going.
2: Yes. Uh, you know, in, in the absence of big blockbuster fair, Comic-Con tends to lean in on the thing with the best ROI. And yeah. that's horror. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, but this panel, so basically Geek Ed is like stuff that they do on mainly on Thursday, I think it's mainly on Wednesdays and Thursdays, essentially educators uh, are people involved in education coming in to do a panel on different topics. And so this one was about Lovecraft country. Um, It was uh, Jada Anderson, Alfred Day, Dr. Andrea Letamendi and Dr. David Surratt. Um, So a couple of people from ucla one from uc berkeley and one from university of oklahoma um talking about lovecraft country and this is this you mentioned you know panels being pre-recorded and in, in, in some so this was recorded before lovecraft country got all those emmy nominations um but after it was okay. canceled uh no before
0: before the show was canceled
2: i wonder well, the show was canceled like a, the week before it got off the of nomination. Wow. Yeah. So I think this was recorded a little bit before that. So it was, it was interesting to, it was nice to have the conversation, but not about that. Like not have that come in. So I like, mean, yeah, was, that's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but it is sense
1: It's like watching a ghost to see other people talk about a show. That's yeah. That you already well, know is canceled.
2: I'm always intrigued. I'm, I've been very intrigued by Lovecraft country because like due to this, you know, pandemic, I really feel like I watched it in a, silo like uh-huh. in, a, in a in a way that it wasn't like i went to work the next day and i was talking about how stupid it was that you know daenerys would burn down king's landing right like i didn't have that like yeah that's you're on twitter and you're talking with people but like i really you know, like i text you, you <laughs> Country all the time. <laughs> yeah like but you know but that's just us. it's not so, the same yeah i know yeah how mean. do how do regular people feel about this so it was like it was really interesting to look at it from sort of their academic perspective and bringing, you know, looking at the different themes and how the show approached it. And I was glad that the show, like that the panel got to dig into the things that the show did poorly because it did do some stuff poorly. Um, Like I I liked the show for what it was, but it was definitely very messy season of television. And so it's nice when you have people who are, who can, talk about that and not get in their feelings Mm. about talking about the things that they liked that they didn't like. And it also had the quote of Comic-Con where the guy was talking about Montrose and he was like, if you don't heal what harms you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. And I was like, I didn't come here to be attacked. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was great. It, It was, it was a really nice panel. And I think, yeah, like I said, it it was nice to be like, okay, when I was mad that they killed off that two-spirit character, somebody else was also mad about that. Like, not mad that the character would make that decision because that is something that he would do, but in the way in which they brought that character in and then dispatched of them, you know, so it, it, was a lot, it was a lot of talk about, like, the harm and trauma um, that these characters face versus, like, also, then media then inflicting that upon the audience, um, and they talked about they talked about Lovecraft Country in comparison to another show that is I cannot think of in my mind. Talk in terms of like maybe like Amazon's them, okay. which is like oh, or like they were, and also it was
1: it was talking about like Lovecraft wasn't Craft the Country. Little Walking Dead, was it? Uh, that that no. wasn't the show. Talking.
2: But it was a conversation about like how you can use
0: the horror genre, like, like, seems like them would make the most sense of the shows to address. Yeah. yeah there, there was one other, I, I, I haven't listened to the you TV know. journals lately, but I hated them. Them is like yeah. one of the worst things I've seen in such a life. But it's like them. in, an, in
2: that show, it's like in Lovecraft country, it's like the racism is scarier than the monsters, but like the trauma of the people in the time influences how the story is being told versus like putting trauma putting your characters through traumatic things and also making the audience have to deal with traumatic things like there's this different level so like yeah like the first episode of Lovecraft Country it's like the scariest thing about that is not the monsters jumping up from you know underground it's like can these people get out of this town going the speed limit you know, can they get out of the county going the speed limit before being shot by the police that's tailing them the whole way, you know, it, and sort of using that to influence it. So yeah, it was, it's a really great sort of academically based conversation about Lovecraft Country.
0: I'm going to check that one out because I didn't watch that one. And I wanna... yeah. It'd be nice to, to get a swan song for the show, essentially, and hear just more yeah. about it. Um,
1: my next pick is, I think this might be one uh, a case of something benefiting from low expectations because and I, <laughs> I, I wish Tyler were here because Tyler hates the, uh, every year they do the greatest geek year ever. The, the, uh-huh.
0: um, yeah. and it's, it's, and it's, <laughs> same, it's
1: just talked about in the most shallow way possible. <laughs> so. Well, that's okay. So that's because I, and I went to one either either 2013 or 2014 they, so they were doing they started in 2012 doing 82 mm-hmm. then in 2013 they did 83s so they did it like every you know 30 years and they didn't do one last year and so they came back this year and so the question was i guess they, they were say do we stick with 30 years ago and do we do 1991
0: or do we do 81 which we never did because we started in 2012 and they chose to do 81 i mean it makes sense yeah that 80s nostalgia is fucking people like it (laughs) it's a fucking cottage industry people just like it it. people are people are retiring (laughs) they don't want to Uh, talk about uh, they don't want to talk about the the rocketeer and and robin hood prince of thieves i guess
1: (laughs) yes yeah yeah. but okay so but here's so the one i went to it was back in 2013 or 2014 it was just like a loose, just like conversation about movies from this year Mm -hmm. in the intervening years what they've done is, is they've applied a format to it where each of the four hosts gets to pick one movie, um, to, to highlight. And what that, what that has led to them doing is people advocating for their personal sort of like undersung favorites. So it wasn't, um it, it wasn't the obvious one they barely even mentioned escape from new york they mentioned the howling but 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 barely Amer- american world of london for your eyes only these things came up raiders. but uh well okay yeah they did end with yeah. with 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 the raiders, like, raiders yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was like their one at the end but each of the four hosts came up with their own movie to, to talk about and it was um you're telling me this panel
0: got better which i enjoy that's nice yeah it, it was really
1: it was really interesting because they talked about a lot of movies that i had heard of but I hadn't seen i've never seen the original clash of the titans which was My one gosh. of the picks mm. uh, i'd never seen dragon slayer oh um i never influence
0: on uh the green, green night yeah
1: we, we, we ah. saw the tr- we saw
0: the trailer for that our screening there, um
1: it? oh interesting uh i'd never seen heavy metal which was one of the picks and then the fourth and final pick was the movie that i was hoping someone would pick because it's not only one of the best movies in 1981 it's one of my top 100 favorite movies of all time and that's uh john borman's excalibur oh yeah um so they talked about those four and then they ended talking about raiders of the lost ark uh, obviously so it was all the things that tyler has complained about and you were saying just like um just them just talking about the most obvious movies this formula they've 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 applied um helps to uh, uh to counteract that and it ended up, ended up actually being like people talking about movies that were interesting to me that i hadn't seen or that in the case of excalibur i have seen and and absolutely love uh and they also gave some you know a lot of these people are uh i mean terrence you think i'm old but uh these i people... do
0: not think you're old <laughs> no, tyler's the old one of the two of you Let's yeah how it. old are you though
1: uh, i'm uh for the time being i'm 38 uh, i'll be 39 next month What the not old um, but these, a lot of people on the, this podcast were actually, I keep saying podcast instead of panel. A lot of people on this panel were actually like 12, 11, 12, 13 in
0: 1981. So it was like, mm. there's a it's reason the,
1: they're picking heavy metal and shit. Cause it's, like, yeah, it's, the, same crew, right?
0: it's the same yeah. people that do this panel, right? Yeah. It's the same guys. every time. Do they, do they host like a, are they like a thing or do they host a podcast or something? Or are they, yeah, it's actually, so
1: uh, I'm not here to like show for other people's best podcasts the best year podcast or something. No, what they do, they have a podcast and so what what they do is they they took the format of their existing podcast and applied it to this panel. So their existing okay. podcast is called the 430 movie podcast and the idea is that they they as a team are programming a week of 430 weekday movies to play on TV and every week is a theme week so that's that's what they do. Um and so you can, all, to- you can bleep all that out. That's fine. See, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> so, yeah, I guess check out the 430 movie podcast, but only after <laughs> you've
0: listened to every episode of Battleship Retention and out now. And if you right. do listen to that podcast, make sure to use your tweaked audio headphones. That's That's funny. Funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no so candies uh, around these parts.
1: So yeah, I can't wait to tell Tyler that, uh, that he should watch this, this, this panel that I'm sure he uh, thinks is terrible because he's had such a grudge again because he went to one, one year and then and they just talked about the obvious movies.
0: Fun fact, I had never seen Excalibur until very recently um i don't know why it seems like a movie i would have grown up on given all the other shit that i've watched since i was young maybe you didn't have
1: the time before because
0: it is like it's like like, yeah yeah, two hours hours and 40 minutes or something it's like super long but here's the thing i fucking loved it it's so good (laughs) it's so good and it would be a great double feature of green knight like it's very patient for that kind of it's john mormon i mean like you know it's it's an old school filmmaker
1: do you know i this is a very okay we'll do this on the comic-con episode because this is the kind of geeky shit i normally don't care about because I, I i i have very little patience generally with people talking about movies that weren't made like oh did you hear like such so and such wanted to make this but you know before Caliber, john borman was going to make lord of the rings yeah wow. so because it was he came to united artists and said I want to make a movie about Merlin. And they were like, actually, we just yeah. bought the rights to Lord of the Rings. Why don't you try to do that instead? And so he developed a whole yeah. live action that would have been like a live action, like sexy R-rated, like Excalibur, like weird, gothic, R-rated version of Lord of the Rings.
0: And you, that can, actually feel it in the, cool. you can feel it in the movie, like in the way the production design is gone. it. Like, it's not like a one for one, obviously, but like, I knew that going in. And I'm watching this thinking, you can see the ideas like feeding off of this as far yeah. as like him doing, you know, shifting from one area to the other. It's better than, better, better than like how Willow does it, where Willow's just like, let's just rip it off. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, that's as, as cool as that R rated Lord of the Rings movie sounds. I think ultimately John Borman actually got to make a movie about Merlin, which is what he wanted to do in the first place. And it's Excalibur and it's fucking great. It plays like a
0: biopic, which is fascinating to me. Like that's what I like. It's a fantasy movie, but it plays like a, you know, follow him from a young age to an old age, and he has all these trials and tribulations to get. Like it plays like a biopic for a guy that basically doesn't exist. So it's like it's really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, All right, Aaron, what's your what's your third and final pick? Uh, I'll just go fun with this one. Uh, Bob's Burgers. Um, okay <laughs> <laughs> like i you know what i haven't even seen like all of the seasons of bob's burgers but it's always a delight when i do watch it i'm a fan without like being a devoted fan but i do you know i'm a i'm a fan of h John benjamin from away from the home movies obviously that's one of my favorite shows ever but like in dr cats yeah, yeah but and like lauren Bouchard obviously the creator of bob's burgers and very involved in all those shows as well um this is very much about just I want to see these funny people be funny for an hour. Like that's what it comes down to. And it's like, it's all there. Like they, you know, they give you like the, the clips and the hints about this upcoming season. And they talk about the Bob's burgers movie that was supposed to come out last year and still is coming at some point and we'll see what happens. Um, But it's really, you know, you have all of these people, which is largely comedians that just happen to be voices on this surprisingly very popular animated series it's weird that like it's been 12 seasons of bob's burgers like that's it's, like fox has a really good like handle on how to like be the cbs of animated programming it seems like because these shows just keep going <laughs> forever um but it's yeah you're again it's just, it's getting john benjamin christian shaw eugene merman it's like just all these funny people uh having a good time fielding like twitter questions they bring on fans at one point like they bring on like six fans that all had like questions that just to just ask with the cast and and they had a fun way of just you know they're they're naturally funny people so the fact that they can and that's that's the thing given that these are all pre-recorded panels there's an area where seeing people improv in the moment you know, while trying to give genuine answers to questions, it actually feels like there's some kind of connection there. It doesn't feel, because it's fan questions that they don't know in advance, you actually have a chance to, like, see people respond on the fly and do something that reflects, like, what it is like to be Comic-Con. And what Comic-Con, you know, outside of promoting my thing, it's also people that are a fan of this thing get to talk to the people that they like about that thing, so they're asking them questions then they're giving the best answers. And that's what you got in the Boz Burgers panel. It's really fun that way. You get you have question just questions coming out that then they actually answer it on the spot and it feels like yeah, there's an actual back and forth going on that doesn't feel pre scripted anyway. So all of that plus the fact that it's Boz Burgers. It's a funny show and you get this, you know, we got the clips and all like I mentioned. So it's like it, it just it worked out to be a enjoyable, like, yeah. This is a good like chunk of this right here, and so in, in terms of like anticipating a thing, and you know, getting a, a, a good amount of hints about like what's coming next, while still being satisfied with the the cast presence. Um, I remember I went to a, a
1: Bob's Burgers panel uh, at Comic Con in the Indigo Ballroom uh, mm-hmm. y- years ago, and they mentioned, I guess, I guess, spoiler warning: this the story is going to be about me tweeting something that I didn't think and still don't think was a spoiler. But okay. On Bob's Burgers, they never mentioned they never named the town that they live in,
0: oh, right? What did you do?
1: <laughs> <So> they just <laughs> on the panel they mentioned that their like around the office, their name for the town is something like uh, Seymour's Bay, I think, and it has to do with like one of the editors who works on the show is named seymour and editors work in an editing bay and it like became a joke and that, the, that that seymour's bay was the name of the town and so i just thought that was like a funny tidbit that like oh they the the writers and producers refer to the town as seymour's bay and someone was like uh spoiler like but how is that a spoiler that's not wow
2: it's not look, canon. At you, look at you ruining people's enjoyment of a television show <laughs>
1: does that count as i don't I, I don't understand why people were upset about that little tidbit
0: i it's like not, the idea that people follow like you specifically <laughs> like it's sort of bob's burgers spoilers <laughs> oh i was
1: probably doing like hashtag sdcc yeah, I, or something uh, so yeah that's they're just that's, that's, around like who's yeah this fucking davy pretension ruining the name of the town of bob's burgers <laughs> but it's not the name of the town it's what they like this world that we live in, and the world that, but that Bob. How uh, many in. characters was this tweet, David? Like, what <laughs> were you putting
0: in all this context? This,
2: and this seems like back in the day, but that was when we had 140. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah exactly. We <laughs> so they weren't they weren't getting all this
0: extra context. They're like TikTok <laughs> babies that don't understand the content, having half the amount of Twitter space they do now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. All right. Uh, are we on to Terrence's final pick?
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this panel I'm about to mention is if you watch nothing else from Comic Con, if you have any interest in making movies and television, if you have if you cover movies and television, this is the panel that you have to watch. Uh, It's called Entertainment is Female, a conversation with Hollywood executives. Um, Hey,
1: I did watch this one. I did too.
2: it, It like especially now given what the industry has gone through in the past year, it is like, I feel like it is required, you know, we're, we're in uh, the HCA. I would be like, this is required watching (laughs) 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 for everybody in there. Um, And also every film school student in the country. Cause so uh, the panel was, it was really awesome to get a panel of uh, female executives um, in Hollywood. Uh, Their names are Jeanette Francis, Sam Crawley, Aubrey Lee, Greg Cusack, Nikki Bida, and Met Northjare.
1: Met- Meta is how they said it on the, on the okay. I almost said podcast again on the panel, they called her Meta.
2: Yeah. It was, it was just illuminating to hear like the changes that studios have had to make because of COVID, the type of content that they're looking for, where they're looking to put that content, how, you know, projects have come together because all of these women work at different places that have different deals like one of them works for lord and miller so they're announced in the panel that there's a new live there's a live action spider-man show coming um and i was like girl that is a big bomb to drop um in the middle of this panel and they they just kind of moved on from it And I was kind of like, wow, this is like a really big thing. But it was really fascinating to learn about, you know, like how screenwriters are pitching to production companies. It's like it's not in person anymore. So, does that help people who would be nervous in a room? Like, you can have your pitch right on the screen. Or they're doing a lot of filmed pitches where they're like, you know, people don't have a ton of time. So, they're like, rather than read the 100 page script, here's the 10 minute pitch from the writer about the script. And if you're interested, then you'll take the time, you know, it's in, in a similar way that you would read, read pages, um, or how studios are looking for as theaters, you know, come back in various ways, like content that will entice people to go see it in groups. So they're thinking, or you're thinking comedies so in your blockbusters, but like really getting an insight from these women at, at how development works at their place of business and like how all of these things are coming together, like it, I would re- I, th- this is like required watching for anybody who is at, le- at least tangentially interested in the entertainment industry.
1: Uh, well, I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm going last cause I saved, I saved this one in case you guys weren't going <laughs> to talk about it because, uh, uh, Aaron, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go the extra mile here and make this podcast just it a little bit blacker, um, and pick, uh, a, a panel called black excellence in yep. film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and this one was, uh, moderated by our fellow HCA member jazz tank. Uh, is that how you say tank ten- tank? Um, uh, and the panelists were uh, Queen Sugar showrunner, Anthony Sparks, um, uh, hair department head Araxi Lindsay, uh, director and producer Don, Don Porter, uh, director of Farewell Amour, and the winner of this most re- most recent Independent Spirit Someone to Watch Award, Equa Imsangi, which is kind of the main reason I wanted to tune into this Um uh writer and producer of the good lord bird erica l johnson uh underground railroad writer Gian crowther and founder of red rhino trailers and personal hairstylist to will smith pierce
0: austin that was um, that was a credit i did not see coming and i very much enjoyed here well, yeah there
1: were two di- there are two different people on here who are hair people and they both yeah. work for the smiths one yeah one for jada one and one we <laughs> used to work for jada and they both had stories of essentially getting like fired (laughs) and like obviously this guy came back to work for will smith he got fired by michael Mann uh when he was will smith's uh hairstylist on on ali Ali. yeah and um i really like this panel because it was uh it was the the thing i was talking about before that i'm not going to name the panel cuz i don't want to talk shit about just being too dry and being like now i'm talking to this person now i'm talking to this person that's not what this person this panel was so i give it up to to jazz for moderating a good panel by having like a question and then everyone answers the question and they talk and they like react to one another's answers you know like mm-hmm. someone say i want to follow up on what what anthony was saying or you know that that's it it felt more like an actual like panel and and a panel of to go back to what i was saying earlier in the episode but an actual panel is people who have expertise on the topic and maybe have their own personal different experiences you know working together talking together um and it was a it was a panel that flew by when i when i watched it it was also uh part of what's interesting and makes things fly by is that you know a lot of these people are writers and a lot of the questions were like tell us a story when x happened so a lot of people just telling stories and these are people who are good at telling yeah. stories you yeah. know and that's how we got like multiple stories about being fired by the smiths or fired from projects uh from 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 the smiths um i'm glad you guys all uh uh watched it too i, uh, I don't know why you uh left it to me to uh <laughs> to pick but i appreciate it we, um, we felt
0: it was gonna happen and we just let it ride that's, <laughs> yeah um I would have yeah, just so shoved I, it in anyway into the conversation if I needed
1: to, but <laughs> it is a good um, one. Yeah.
0: yeah uh, black, people,
2: black people really did Comic-Con this
0: year. Yeah. Like, there's a, like looking at the selection, there's so much like black representation. Yes, it was the effect. black people took over Comic-Con 2021. <laughs> like I had, I had my, I, I watched the Afrofuturism Funkin' Black and Imagination panel on my list is one of the panels to talk about. Like there's just, there's so much there. It's like, it's great to see. Um,
1: but yeah, and I, since you guys both watched it, I'll, uh, throw it to you to see if you have any thoughts, but, uh, there was a lot of like, like Terrence, like you were saying about the, um, uh, female producers in Hollywood telling stories about how, uh, things, things work. There was a lot of this about just like how, uh, a lot of this panel was about like how to get a job, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're black and in Hollywood, that there are like, uh, uh, people hopefully who are looking to, to, to help one another and there's, and to fight against the sort of entrenched way of thinking in this industry of just hiring the people you already know, Uh, you know? And so there are stories about like someone hiring someone as a, uh, uh, department head who had never headed a department before, but that's, that's how it has to happen is you, you you have to try and, uh, uh, you know, reach down and pull people up behind you, I guess was the, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the message. Did you, any of the thoughts you guys had since you both watched this panel? I
0: mean, the, uh, the, the, the one, <laughs> thought. I got I got one thing The the one, the, 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 you know, hearing the different stories of all the panelists was certainly fascinating. There it, it's mentioning things like, Someone that you know wants to be, you want to run a show or what, I can't remember the specifics, but like wants to run a show or whatnot, and you know is being told that they're going to be given a certain budget, where you know certain shows that are headed by you know white filmmakers would have you get a get a different a different budget than what the black budget is, right? So it's uh-huh. neat to hear like them you know making certain demands like give me the same give me the budget i don't want the you know the other budget give me the budget that you'd afford to any other of your shows on you know your prime network and like hearing the it's not like these are new things to consider or whatnot but just having panels like this that really openly display the kinds of differences that are seen Uh in the industry now uh, Mm -hmm. it's There's nothing not useful about hearing that out loud, knowing that thousands of people are going to be watching that and thinking. People that are watching this now are going to grow up and they're going to know these stories. And ideally, because they're watching Comic Con on YouTube, I like to think they're forward-thinking and progressive. They're going to take that information and move forward with it in a positive way. Uh, So, I I see you know, talking about like Comic Con as a whole with this kind of thing. That's a great. That's that's very. To me, I that's me being very optimistic, but I'd like to think that there is a, a giant benefit from having these kinds of panels that have these kinds of stories Yeah, have, you know, that have, like, there's a resolution to them that's ultimately positive because, hey, they're in these positions and they're on this Comic-Con panel. But ideally, there'll be less of those stories going forward because, hey, I watched this panel when I was young or whatever, and I realized I don't want to be those people. I want to, or the people that, you know, made the things difficult. I want to be the people that, you know, made the changes that embrace the things that, you know, make us all unique or what have you, and can, can, can shape a different kind of media that doesn't, you know, isn't entrenched, like you mentioned.
2: In yeah. And this stories. is why I've always said that, like, like we, we've talked about panels that have been for specific properties, but like the real gold in comic-con is like the people who are actually doing the work. So like from on the film side, it's like the technical people or the people behind the scenes that you don't see, you know, on the comic side, like, hearing from actual like comic book writers, you know, or writers in the case of like that Rolling Stone article like that is where the true goal of Comic-Con is. So you get to learn about all of these things and they can, and they're in a format, you know, I don't know how progressive the Comic-Con audience is, but I do, I do have, I do share your hope (laughs) that somebody watched, you know, is watching these things and like down the line when they're in that same position, they will make the same mistake.
0: If they're watching those panels if they're watching the black excellence panel, I'd like to the yes. think there's a certain person I have a feeling like there's certain people that aren't watching the black excellence panel, but the ones <laughs> that do, and That's those right and those racking up, you know, thousands of numbers, like it's a good amount of people that are checking this out for whatever reason. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome. By the way, we're speaking a lot about believe it, black panels. I'd be happy to hear more about like the Latino panels, the Asian panel, like what happened like I'm just I I don't know how many like looking at the list is frankly didn't see that many by comparison yeah. but like
2: i had to make yeah. executive decisions during that weekend about the content i was going to watch mm-hmm. so like i haven't even gotten to the gay panels and normally that is like yeah, what yeah, i would come Yeah, on the here. queer
0: representation is, yeah. is also a lot of that there yeah
2: normally that's what i would come on here and, and you know i'd be like okay so this panel was really great because it got messy because they talked about x y and z um when i do want to highlight like the queer horror panel i'm I'm really fast. We're
1: calling uh, this an honorable mention then this is an
2: honorable mention. Okay. I wonder how that, play- I'm going to watch it this weekend, but like, I wonder how that plays because what was so interesting is like fear street was dropping oh. the third film the same weekend. The same weekend. Yeah. So it was like, Oh, that's a really nice thing. You know, maybe for people who listen to your podcast who haven't seen fear street, it's like, maybe you watch the fear street trilogy and then you listen to this panel or you listen to the panel and you watch the trilogy. Cause like that, that queer horror and sort of that's what sort of fear street is centering on a love story between two women, which is really fascinating. Um, so that, yeah, that's definitely my honorable mention. Cause I was like, Oh, this will be, this is a great double feature of a, a mini series masquerading as three different movies and a panel.
1: They are three movies. Uh, <laughs>
2: that, is, <laughs> that is a mini series just like small acts.
1: Uh, all right. If you say so, I think the Small Axe is five movies. Um, but I also I don't care Small that. Small Axe is an
2: anthology. I'm just saying it because I know it's going to. Aaron is like being very You can talk
0: all you want about my number one film of 2020. But I know, like, I know. That's I mean, fine. Exactly.
2: Right? I, I can see the. the it, it's
0: just nice that people are it. actually watching the number one film of 2020. Wait, which, which of
1: the five was your number one? Small Axe is my number one film oh, 2020. of 2020. you know? Okay. My number one film of 2020
0: was Lovers Rock. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like a you, if, way of thinking. If you're going to force me to pare it down, like, yeah, *Lovers Rock and Mangrove, but, like, I mean, <laughs> the whole fucking thing is an accomplishment yeah. in itself. <laughs>
1: um, I loved Alex Weedle, too. Was, um, I liked that one a lot. I, um, the, only t- the only time the the is it a TV show movie thing is, like, bitten me in the ass, uh, speaking as members of the Hollywood Critics Association, I forgot to nominate Small X for anything for the TV awards this summer because mm. I, forgot, I forgot to think of it as a TV show, and I felt like then when the nominations came out and i saw like i was like oh shit i should
0: have filled it better than the emmys um, <laughs> yeah. uh
1: okay I, I will actually toss out uh, an honorable mention uh, the annual jack kirby tribute panel oh yeah it's fun if you like jack kirby but i also love this panel not just because of jack kirby because it's always moderated slash hosted by mark Evanier who's a fascinating person he's one of the few people maybe one of the Two or three people left who has been to every single comic con because uh, he started going when he was like uh, like seventeen or something. <laughs> two or three um, people left were the astronauts. How many? <laughs> how many original part people are going anymore? Uh, well, I mean, think. I mean, like it's been over fifty years. Like, unless you're someone like Mark Evanier who started going as a teenager, like there's not that many people who. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Uh, but anyway, so he's been to every comic con. He also has like a memory of an elephant, and he uh, loves jack kirby he worked for jack kirby and uh that panel is always fun it's always fun uh uh there's always fun stories and mark evanier is just if you're i love i'm like nerdy about certain things but i'm also like nerdy about comic-con if that makes sense so like it. if you're yeah. like a comic-con nerd like i am uh mark evanier is a great guy to see for any reason have so you that's been my to honorable the museum?
2: Mission. have you been to the museum yet no i haven't i know we've been in this lockdown world yeah I feel like that is something you'd get a lot of enjoyment out of. Yeah,
0: yeah. If I had um, one honorable mention, it's the Dexter New Blood panel, uh, specifically because they have to, you know, this is the return of the series Dexter, which famously ended terribly. And they have to address the fact that they know that it ended terribly, which was the main reason I watched this panel. Like, I don't know if I'm going to watch the new season of Dexter, because I don't fucking care but the fact that there's a you know an hour worth of conversation about why it was the right time to do this and how people felt about how it ended and you have to be both diplomatic but also very obviously upfront about the fact that it wasn't a satisfying finale that was entertaining to watch it's entertaining to watch michael c hall not look into the camera as he's like trying to address what he feels about the finale of dexter and why it was a good time to come back and play dexter oh wow So it's not even awkward it's just like it's, it's almost like performance art, like watching this panel take place and like having them justify the need for another season of Dexter. Yeah, I mean, because they couldn't say the money. <laughs> yeah. Huh?
2: Like, I remember, I remember when Kill Your Darlings was coming out, and I think that was around when Dexter was ending, and it was like the conversation surrounding the show was like, even if you gave this man like a blank check, and you were like, right, however many zeros you need to come back to do this. He was like, I'm not going to do it. But now that we're distance away, it's like, you know, there's mm-hmm. some distance to it, but I'm also sure that the checks for everybody involved are very nice.
0: Uh, but it helps when they've changed the location entirely. So it's only one character they have to bring back and give money to.
2: Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm like intrigued by the idea of like a show that has a, has a famous terrible ending coming back and being like we're going to give it one we're going to do one more round cuz it's like like the the stress of, of needing to you know get it right uh huh it um... must be <laughs> immense i'm i I'm think true blood is really popping into my mind because i'm like what like what does the limited series of True Blood look like, and I just can't imagine it. So I don't, I cannot even fathom a, a Dexter
0: <laughs> True Blood because they'd have, they'd have to string together like like fourteen different people to come back to that show to make it. Like yeah, it would be. It would of-
2: be. I mean, it would be hard because we've also had some, you know Nelson R. P.
0: Nelson Ellis, mm-hmm. yeah. um and Alexander so, Skarsgård's like I make movies, guys. Like what? I don't need to. Come back well, to Alexander Skarsgård is like I've now I've got impressive
2: hardware to match Anna Paquin. So it would be hard to get him back after he won an Emmy, but he won an Emmy for an HBO show. Um, so yeah, um that's, that's interesting. I'm sure that I was feel- a fun, awkward panel to win though.
1: The more, uh, uh well first i'll say uh one i know i've told this on the podcast before one of my favorite comic-con memories is a panel a dexter panel many years ago where michael c hall referred to michael chiklis as michael c hicklis um, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Like being serious. Or That's okay? really funny. <laughs> no, as a, as a joke because it was the panel. It was the right after. Okay, spoilers for Dexter. Right after they'd killed off Julie Benz's character, but that fall, Julie Benz was on. Was it called No Ordinary, no ordinary Family? Ordinary
0: Family. Yeah. Yeah.
1: With Michael Chiklis, and like, so th- there was a question about like, are you gonna miss Rita or whatever? And he was like, yeah, but she's doing well. She's on this new show with Michael C. Chiklis. Uh, I thought that was funny. Um, but I'll say, Dex, I, I like the idea. I, I, I stopped watching Dexter, so I didn't get a chance to be disappointed by the end. But I, I like the idea of bringing back a show that ended poorly because that's like, that's the one you want another do over. Yeah. You, you know, I, what I I don't yeah, like when they bring yeah. back a show that, like, like, but, ends great. That or that I, or whatever, yeah. They have like, to
0: like purposely make it bad, make it bad for the characters again, just to have a plot to tell.
1: Yeah. I don't need like a new Buffy like mini series. I don't need, I don't want Hannibal to come back. Like, I feel like even though Hannibal wasn't intended to end after that third season, the third season finale works so well as a series finale that I'm kind of like, this thing is too perfect. Like you're not, lightning's not going to strike twice. Let's just leave this show uh, as the perfect three seasons that it is and not bring back more Hannibal
0: we can find new things to love we what a mash what, reunion they can make that happen
1: what's a, oh my gosh
2: what's a show that you would <laughs> that you would want to bring back for a limited series round the fix
0: the ending Oh, uh, well, that's a good um well speaking of michael c hickless the the shield is one of my favorite shows ever so i mean <laughs> i'd be curious what Vic Mackey's up to after where things left off in that one mm. but i'm
1: trying to think like what's a show that i liked but i didn't like the way it ended that i'd like to see them uh, take another crack at it you know really there's did, a show yeah. that what that literally happened was Eastbound and Down like that the third yeah. season was supposed to be the the, the end and, like, the end and they like weren't happy popular. with it <laughs> but like <laughs> I, I think like the uh, what, what are the names the, the guys who Dan it, came Dan and it.
0: Jody, Jody Hill. Jody, yeah, Jody, and, da- and Jody, David yeah. Gordon Green, of course. Yeah, I think Jody Hill was <laughs> like not happy with it, and so they were like
1: they brought it back and. And, and it was like, like it was too
0: popular. That was the other thing. Like right. it was like, if you guys want to keep going, I mean, like the ratings. <laughs> <side. laughs>
1: I'll have to think more on a show that I liked that I think ended poorly.
0: Yeah, that's, that's I thought my
2: answer would have been Penny Dreadful.
0: Okay cuz that was like and abrupt. I, I never watched that show, but that was like an abrupt ending, wasn't that part you
2: it, it, it was the storyline in the 3rd season was nonsense, but it was kind of like I got to the finale and the credits changed and I was like, "Oh. Uh, ooh. <laughs> like this <laughs> something something about this feels very final." And then it ended, and then the creator was like, "Yeah, we decided to end the show." And I was like, "What?" Wow. Um but then they did, like, a a new Penny Dreadful, and it was bad. Um, right. The L.A.
1: one, though, right? Yeah. It was but bad? They, it was too bad.
2: Like, the, the whole conceit of Penny Dreadful is, like, all of these literary characters and monsters in one place. And so when you do an original story about, like, a, a good, like, an angel versus a demon in one of the and it's revolving around like there's lots of interesting historical things about LA at that time. Um, but like, you know, and Natalie Dormer is great, but like yeah. Eva Green was next level on that show. Was That's that show
0: came, was, to... was it canceled? The LA one? Like I yeah, came on, it was bad. <laughs> That's what I figured. It's like, I've never heard anything again from it. So I figured, you know, yeah. not be there. Okay. We really do have to
1: wrap up, but you know what show <laughs> was unjustly canceled and this is going back almost a decade now uh amc's rubicon that show it has its fans well it, here's what happened i will admit i will fully agree that it starts off weak it takes about half a season to sort of refigure itself out and then it's so good but i feel like the, the damage is already done people already decided like it was bad because of the first three episodes and no one watched the next seven episodes to realize how good it got and how great a se- uh, like a, uh, a season finale it has. And then they never brought it back. I would, I would, I would love to see what would have happened with, with Rubicon. Uh, all right. So uh, Aaron and Terrence, thank you for talking Comic-Con with us this year. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for having us. Uh, you can find um well there's no comic-con coverage for me uh, this year but wow. you can you can find past year's uh, comic-con coverage at battleshippretention.com and find reviews you can find a review of swan song this week at battleshippretention.com you can uh, listen to my other podcast the one where i met your mother where natalie my wife natalie and I talk about friends and how i met your mother you can find that at battleshippretention.com you can email me at David at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Uh, let's go with, let's start with Terrence this time. Terrence, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Uh, you can find me writing um, at varying intervals <laughs> 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 on uh, le noir Um And I'm at Terrence B. Johnson on Twitter and Instagram. Terence with one R, no A.
0: Aaron, where can people find you? I'm all over the place. I co-host a podcast with my friend Abe. It is called Out Now. With Aaron and Abe. We talk about weekly movie releases, and we have a do a commentary track every month, and other fun bonuses and stuff. I'm writing at We Live Entertainment for weekly movie reviews, as well as at Y Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. Uh, I occasionally have some stuff at Variety, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4.
1: All right. Well, thanks again for being here, uh, or you know, being in this virtual space with us. Thank you at home for listening,
0: Aaron. We'll catch you next time. Bye. (laughs) I was ready with it. (laughs) I love it.